What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Wednesday, October 12th edition. We're going to be joined by Jared Mueller on this OBR Film Breakdown show, as we are every Wednesday throughout the football season here, breaking down a lot of different angles of your Cleveland Browns and asking those important questions, as we always do. As you know, the Guardians played last night. For those of you listening today, we're actually kind of trying to simultaneously follow it as we do this podcast. It is currently 1-1, so you will have known the outcome of the game before we do. When you're listening to this show, uh, we're obviously hoping for the best and wishing the Guardians all the luck in this playoff series, which will be, no matter what, a great experience for them as a young team. And we're going to talk about another young team who gave away another game on Sunday. And Jared, man, listen, I had some rants. Uh, I had some emotion. I very rarely get emotional on these shows, but with the OBR's post-game show, and I reshared yesterday for a couple days ago, sorry, uh, a couple days ago now, for the listeners of this show, my feelings on it. I just want to open it up to you of like when a game like that happens and now we've seen it three times this year at this point in your life, are you numb to it? Like, how do you react? Cause I, I mean, I'm still upset when things like this happen <laughs> because you know, it's just the, the, the stuff over and over again for years and years and years has happened and it just is so frustrating. So I wanted to give you sort of that chance to, to talk about, when that happens, what emotions sort of go through you? Yeah, you know, I think it's a really interesting thing. And I've actually seen that the longer I've covered professional sports, the less I get emotional and the more I try to understand, which I don't know if that's a good thing. Like, I think it's just a just a kind of reality thing. And so immediately I'm like, how the crap is this happening? And trying to kind of figure it out so that I can understand it, right? Like, I still get... So I guess it's weird. I get really excited about the good and then I try to freaking understand the bad. Um, And so I think that's probably the mental health dude in me. Like, all right, well, let's celebrate this stuff. Crap. Like I was really pissed off and it destroys my energy, to be honest. Like I, I remember when I was like, oh, freaking they got, they're going to win this. Brissette throws interception. Okay, crap. Wait wait, wait, they're going to get to be able to kick a field goal. They're going to win this. And I remember feeling like, oh, I'm going to take the dog for a walk and maybe I'll get a little of this done and a little of that done. And I did freaking nothing afterwards, right? Like I did some writing and stuff, you know, we have jobs to do and all that, but like I didn't do any of that stuff that I I literally felt my energy just sapped out of me. That, that is not unusual. Uh, If I, if the Browns win, I have a really productive Sunday afternoon. They lose. I'm pretty much my wife doesn't want to hang out with me, um, which is worse, I guess, on when the Browns lose. So it's yeah, weird how we let them do that to us, isn't it? I mean, I know we're a little bit more emotionally invested than some other folks, and maybe you know there there is a wide variety of fans, Jared. There are people right. who are way deep into it, and there are people who just watch. And I think we're pretty into it because it does affect how you know, the viewers and listeners like you guys or or the people reading our content consume it. It's good for business when the Browns win. So that's a part of what bothers me. But at my core, I'm a fan. And yep. it does just at the core of me bother me in general when they lose. And especially, I don't know if it, and this could be our first burning question. I don't know. But d- d- would it be different if they were getting, let me frame it this way. We didn't uh, even talk about this yeah. one. This came to mind, Jared. Okay, it's a little ad lib. Like, if they were losing games where the defense was really good, where they were losing games 12, 10, 15, 14, mm. 18, 14, and you knew that when Watson comes back, it's guaranteed to be different. They're going to score more. This defense is playing great. You can see where the offense will get better. Would that shift our mind away from right now where the defense is catastrophic 
and the <laughs> offense is playing really well. Now, I still think you can see a path where Watson helps. Clearly, the late sure. moment games where everybody knows they have to throw it are things that Jacoby does not handle well, and he's proven so in three games this year. So there's still that, but there is more like, well, the offense is playing really well, and the defense is catastrophic, and they're finding ways to lose. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, do you think this is the worst way things could go for them to start the year or would it be worse if they were getting 38 to three like Pittsburgh last week? I'm curious your angle on this. Yeah, I think it would absolutely be worse. Big picture. If they were getting blown out, I think it would be better day to day. Like I don't, I think if they're down 21, nothing at halftime, like all the hope just goes away and you just finish out the game. You write it up. You don't, some people don't finish the game, all that. I do think what you're talking about is true is, you know, it's this isn't where you're like, oh, Watson's going to cure these ills, right? And that's why I think one of the pieces for me that I wrote today, this week, was just about youth, right? Like, obviously, we're watching the Gardos right now, and they're really young. But I think baseball and, and football are not polar opposite sports, but, man, they're just way different. In the NFL, like, discipline and understanding structure and and all that stuff, like, some of that does come with experience. And the Browns were the youngest team in the NFL again, starting the year, you know, the 53 man roster. So I do think you're right. It, it would be, it is worse because Watson can't solve the problems on defense, but I do think um, big picture if they were getting blown out, I think it would be very, very much different. I think the, the good thing about the chargers loss is that's a really good team, right? Obviously they're down a few people, but that's a really, even when you look at that defense with Khalil Mack and Derwin James and JC Jackson, you know, they got some guys on that side of the ball. And so the fact that they were able to compete with that team, like that, there's some hope there. And then it's just like, well, you idiots should have won that game. Like there's not many, there's not a lot of times I say should, right? Like they should have won the Jets game. They could have won the Falcons game. They should have won against the chargers. Like that's just the way it is. And, and they blew those games, but at least that means they have talent somewhere, somehow on that roster. Uh, And maybe as the offense comes back down to earth, the defense doesn't suck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could be it. I I just, it's so much of the, your NFL enjoyment is sort of framed around the future, right? Like, you know, you can suffer through Owen 16 sort of, because you know you got a quarterback you're about to draft at that time who's going to be really good, you hope. Or Pittsburgh, for example, this year. Yeah, the team might not be very good. They're clearly going to five or six wins, but you get to see if Kenny Pickett and George Pickens are worth it, right? Like that's There's hope every Sunday to see that you look forward to that. Like So to me, it's like the framing around Cleveland's struggles early in the year to the two and three spot they're at right now, if they were built around a defense dominating but an offense struggling, and you say, okay, it's very easy to see that it's just a quarterback away. They're missing all these. Well, the offense is playing really well. They're just missing kicks. They've had a couple bone, you know, sort of bonehead goal line situations, which unfortunately another one happened. They got bailed out of this past Sunday. But like, and again, I do think it's not all black and white here. There is some gray. Like it, it is clear Watson can help in certain portions, and this offense could be even better, which is exciting. But the nature of which this defense is struggling is bad it leads you to think, okay, that th- this isn't going anywhere right now. It's not going anywhere right now. And th- that leads you to, s- to settle in on maybe more frustration than there would be as if you, you could see 
how they're going to be better when they get the quarterback back, which is looming midseason. So I think the framing of that is is really, really interesting to me, how that all adds up. And 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 this has just been a really brutal, it's been a brutal start. I mean, even the Carolina game, which was a win, was frustrating as hell because you gave up points to, to a team that clearly in the NFL can't score. Uh, and you gave up easy points on blown coverages and things of that nature. And then, you know, you you compound that circus show of a win into week two. We know that was. And then even though week three with Pittsburgh was a win, it was still like, OK, are they going to run the clock out? How's the timing going to work? Are they going to take a knee? You had to punt it. it. That was not as fun as it. they had. They just can't find a way to, like, win fun. Just, you know, yeah, so like have an it's enjoyable like, game. Yeah, it's it's hard for them, and it doesn't. It just it's it's been a it's been a full season in five weeks of just uh, you know the, the 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 scratching of the forehead. You know what I'm doing it right now. My eyes are closed. My head hurts. You know, like <laughs> that's what it's been. So, um, yeah, they've lost three games by six points. I think a very fair argument for four and one, and. Um, a very plausible argument for five and zero, oh, but they're two and three, and their record tells you what they are. And you know, although you think that they should have won these games, and we're going to talk about some questions built around winning those games, they should have won. It is sort of fascinating to me uh, about around sort of uh, the structure of the defense and what they thought coming into this year was going to be the result of the defense. So we'll take a quick break, and then we're going to throw out some important questions or our burning questions of week five's uh, action that just took place. We will be right back. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250 k in cash alone. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code, which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again... Promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
So the first question you came up with, Jared, was did the front office care? You know, mm-hmm. uh, did they care if they were going to be bad against the run? Essentially, did they did they care? And I'll say this before I, I let you answer it. They they could have won both of these games where they gave up 200 rushing yards. So yep. that's the thing. You know, it, it, we could be having we could be having discussions instead of panic we could be having discussions about well they're four and one yeah they a couple bad rushing weeks but they're four and one who cares right that that could be a thing right now and they could be proving themselves right because josh you know josh herbert uh you know herbert justin herbert only threw for 230 and they held Mariota to seven completions and you know hey run the ball go ahead do your thing but we're gonna score more points than you i just i it's an interesting thought that maybe they didn't they don't really care and We'll see if that ends up continuing throughout the year, and that's really rough. But I think it's a fair question to ask because they're not can't be this stupid. They can't they they <laughs> have to know the talent level of some of these guys in house and and the important positions that they're funneling the football to in the run game. Yeah, and I think that's the what made me kind of ask that question is everything we saw this offseason was set up for nothing really added to the defensive tackle room. Really, Perry and Winfrey fell to them. They had some extra picks, so they selected him in the fourth round. Uh, Taven Bryan, more about the pass rush, you know, more about just kind of a long athlete kind of thing, smaller linebackers who can run around a lot. Right. So really not a thumper, really not any of that. And so, you know, my two thoughts are a, they or starts with, I think they thought we'll run the ball better than you, no matter what we do on our, for our run defense. And if we need to, we'll figure out how to throw the ball with Kevin Stefanski's, uh, ability to kind of design plays and all of that. And we've got cornerbacks and these defensive ends that if you got to throw the ball, we're good there. Like that's kind of the overarching kind of thought. So let's actually invite the run a little bit. Let's not spend resources there. So obviously if they could find a cheap, great run stuff or they would have not turned it down, but let's not spend resources there. Let's know we can run the ball better than you. We believe we can rush the passer or cover better than you, which obviously we've seen the stupidity of blown coverages. And then if we have to, we're going to be able to throw the ball with some creativity from Kevin Stefanski. So really kind of from a kind of an overarching aspect, it makes a lot of sense because make that one kick cover that one onside kick. And you're right. We're talking about a four on one team and we're like, wow, it actually worked. Just like you said, Justin Herbert only threw for this amount of yardage and, you know, Marcus Mariota only threw the ball 10 times or whatever the crap he threw the ball for. Like this all has worked so far the way we kind of set it up to be right. Like, and even if you don't have one or two of those four blown coverages, well, all of a sudden the passing yardage is really, really low, you know, over a season, man, this actually starts to make sense. And then if you put that to the side, I think the other reality is I think the Browns are building their roster to defend Patrick Mahomes, to defend Josh Allen, at some level, Lamar Jackson, uh, and maybe even a little bit of the spread out game that it seems like Zach Taylor is going to do with Joe Burrow down in Cincinnati. And most of those teams, even though they have Joe Mixon in Cincinnati, and even though they have J.K. Dobbins and Lamar Jackson, they're not running a lot of the the power stuff that we're seeing that has really caused the Browns problems. So the faster linebackers, the smaller, the all that just makes a lot of sense. Again, I don't think it's working. Uh, obviously, uh, New England did it to us last year. Uh, the Raiders did it to us last year. It, it, the, the concept doesn't work game to game, but I wonder if big picture, that's kind of their thought is l- let them run, 
We'll run better than them anyways, and we'll still be able to pass the ball, especially when we get Watson back. But I know it's kind of a, not a conspiracy theory, um, but it's kind of taking it a little far. Uh, does it feel too far fetched to you? Not really. I, I think it's, I think the thing that you can forget that happens when you just let teams gash you in the run game is the, is the will it can take from you, you know, like you yeah. just lose this. How do we stop them? Because then you start to pay attention more to the run and that trickles into how you defend the pass. And it's like, I think that in theory it's good. It's good. And we might, again, we might be having some discussions that are different if they're three and two right now or four and one, which is, I think four and one again is super realistic. You, you're probably having some different discussions, but uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I, I think they knew that they were taking a risk there. They would need guys to play up levels. They would need the coaching to be a little better and get more out of some of these guys. And the Walker injury obviously hurts, right? And Denzel Ward performing at a poor level right now was unforeseen. And, and John Johnson seemingly packing it in, not what you want to see. There's elements outside of just the core box players who impact those things. Miles and Clowney were out one of those two big rushing total weeks. So um, there's, there's stuff there surrounding it. That's adding to why the defense collectively is bad. But in theory, I do think they were willing to sacrifice. We might not be very good against the run and it. Then can we overcome it? And, and again, as rough as it has been and as, you know, as mad as we all have been (laughs) about watching it, it has still, they're still in games. They're still within very, very realistic, uh, you know, level levels here of, of winning some of these games. So it's not all bad. It's not all bad, but um, good question there. I think the next one's a good one too. Uh, the, the two moves. So they brought in Tyler Davis in the, the pra- they brought him to the practice squad, but a very realistic chance of that nose tackle shade being on the active roster before long. And then they obviously went out and traded for Dion Jones. Do you think uh, this question uh, focuses on whether we believe they think it's a town or coaching issue? So to me, to pull that Sunday Dion Jones trade, it tells me a coach to me, it's a coach trying to save his job. I think he's trying mm. to get more talent in. I get the vibe that he's making an ultimatum. I need this player. That's just my vibe to make that move in the, in the nature of which they made it on the day out, like the day, the evening of a game tells me that there's been like, I can't win with these guys on defense. That's the vibe I get. So he's asking for that. He's asking for help there but I'm willing to be wrong on that. <laughs> no, I hadn't thought of it that way. I think, and I, I feel like I've read into some of your videos that you do a great job on, on Twitter, just kind of showing the problem without really doing much more than just like, eh, this, this isn't it. Right. Um, I feel like nothing, very little we've seen is actually what Joe Woods has coached the team to do. Uh, and I, and again, I'm not saying I'm right about that, but so many times you're like, there's no way he told Grant Delpit, Jacob Phillips, and Jeremiah Wusukoromoa to be in that same run gap, right? Like, there's no way that's the plan, right? Now, yeah. obviously, if he's he needs to be able to coach them better so they're not overly aggressive and every counter is going for 30 freaking yards because it ends up being one pulling guard on, you know, some, you know, a cornerback or whatever. But in the end, I don't feel like most of the things we've seen don't seem like things that the players are coached to do. And so it does feel like to me that adding these two guys, both former Falcons seems like a, we can't do it with the guys we have, whether that is Joe Woods or to be honest, if they didn't believe in Joe Woods, I'm not sure they make a move for him. If it costs anything, this didn't cost much of anything like that. 
So in some ways, I think it is saying to Joe Woods, all right, we'll give you this. We'll give you this. Again, maybe in a Namakan Sioux, if down the road, you know, in a couple of weeks, they're actually winning. But I don't think they would have made a big move if Joe Woods was like, yeah, I really need this player, but you got to, you know, trade a second round pick for Derek Brown. Yeah. It does feel like a, a last gap gasp. We got to get some guys in here can stop the run. Maybe our ideas were wrong. Um, so it's hard for me to kind of put in a specific direction. I think if it was just coaching, they would get rid of Joe Woods, right? Like that. There's not that there's a better option. I don't know if they would give, if they think it's a coaching issue, I don't know if they would give him more talent, even if it is only costing a million dollars and uh, moving up a pick and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think you're going to get, you're not getting in-season NFL trades that fix issues. Now, there's been some big trades before the season, like right before the start of the regular season. If I think back to the last few years, there was a Clowney to Seattle trade. Yep. Uh, wasn't there a... Um, Jamal Adams to somewhere Seattle as that well. That was that was more in the. I think that was in the like started in was the it? early in the season. But yeah, I thought there was one other one. It was a tackle the, the down into Tunzel. Tunzel was oh, traded right before Larry the Tunzel, season. Yep. Yeah. So there have been some bigger trades before the season, but it's very rare to see an in-season trade that has any big in you know impact. Vaughn was released, right, or was he traded? I can't remember. Vaughn was traded. He was two third-round okay. picks for as a rental. But that was right at the trade deadline. He was in the last year of his contract. Like there are trades that can be helpful. I think the unfortunate thing is any impactful trades are going to eat into a very limited uh, draft capital, right? Yes. So they have some extra picks. They've moved back a little bit. They got some extra picks uh, for Quezzy. They believe that if they have a decent season, Glenn Cook could be next to kind of depart. Um, So a a third round pick may be available and defensive tackle can be a, a less than uh, glamorous position. You know, it's not, it may not always get the, kind of that that high, high pick. I just don't know if they really can spend those picks given where their salary cap is. They're a really young team, but man, they get expensive starting next year. They do, and, and it's I think you can find guys in a scrap heap at linebacker who can be serviceable to above that, to be the Malcolm Smiths of the world, for example. Is really hard He's to find. He's still a free agent, tackles. by the way. He is, but I mean, I'm like, it's hard to find D tackles, man. It they, is. There's not it, enough of them in the NFL, period. To to like, teams yeah. just don't give them up. Unless and that's you get the, lucky. And I think that's the hard thing that I think I've seen with Barrier. And again, I may be guessing a little bit, but it seems like there are really good defensive tackles, and you're going to have to use a first round pick or a high second round pick on those, mm-hmm. or everybody else is just a guy, right? Like it's it's kind of. Yeah, it almost feels like a very all or nothing position at some level. Um, obviously, you can get lucky in a fourth or fifth round pick. I think Grady Jarrett was a later round pick can come on and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it feels like a position you kind of like quarterback has become. You have to spend a high pick or you're not getting a player. Son of a. I don't um, think that went over the wall as we interrupt ourselves here. It's yeah, actually going to be really close. Um, we're watching the Josh no Donaldson way. right field swing. Um, Sorry, yeah. Holy mackerel! If that actually played out. <laughs> <laughs> to your point, though, I think you're right. There, but the Browns might be asking themselves: Is just a guy? Are we are we playing teams that are below just a guy right now that are yeah. not serviceable? As they say, I'm watching the slow mo replay. That did not go over. 
really. That did, You're it about hit, four it seconds ahead of me. I think it hit the edge. You guys are getting lot. That and is you- unbelievable. It hit the edge of the wall like that and came back in. <laughs> like an inch <laughs> further, it's over the wall. Anyway, we're going to take one last break, and then we have some, some important questions about the offense. We'll switch over there. We'll be right back. So, listen, things are going well on this side. I think there's some fun questions to ask. The first two are fun, and that's, is this the version of David Njoku we're going to get for the rest of the year and into, into the future of this contract? I don't see why not. I think they're using him in the right way. He's he's a, a wonderful three-down tight end who can block guys like Khalil Mack, respectively. Uh, he can do he can do so many fun things, and he seems to be in a, in a very good position in terms of feeling comfortable catching the football in a variety of ways. So um, I think it's exciting for David, but I feel like they've got a good pulse on how to use him now. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think they've really figured him out and it, it almost seems like they've decided, Hey, we're going to make sure he can run or he can block. He can block. He can block. And then now let's kind of unleash him a little bit. And so, you know, I feel like he has been just solid. Obviously the fumble against the Falcons may have been the number one, you know, play that really impacted them. Uh, the, you know, the most, um, but the reality is I think this is really going to be, uh, the Njoku that we're going to see, obviously he stays healthy and all that, you know, I think it's the Njoku we're going to see in the NFL. Is he going to be 1500 yards? Obviously not all of that kind of stuff. Um, but it, he is going to be this kind of quality 900,000 yard, you know, touchdown, keep blocking all of that good stuff. Um, and that is, that's what you need at that position. And he is really number two, right? He's their number two receiver, uh, pass catcher, whatever you want to call him. And, and it's, it's fun to see, man. He is, he's an athlete. He is, he is a mismatch nightmare for everybody. Like there is just so much that is, that's just been fun to watch, uh, with Njoku, especially having an Amari Cooper who really opens up things for him, like putting it all together, it just kind of works, right? If if he mm-hmm. if Brissett goes one to Cooper, he comes two to Njoku. One of those two dudes is open, or he's running the ball or throwing it away. And Njoku is really making the best of everything. And really, the three of them, I think Donovan Peoples Jones has been fine. Like I think there was a massive concern over whether they'd have enough weapons to throw mm-hmm. the football this year. I think they've been fine. They probably have targeted Harrison Bryan a little too much, in my opinion. But like. Between those three, getting David Bell a bit more involved as they seem to want to over the last few weeks, I, I it's good enough. Could they get better? Sure. They could add some pieces in the coming year, but th- those guys are fine. They've been good. They've been open. They've been catching the football pretty damn well. So I think in terms of like a quarter season grade, those guys deserve a really good mark. I think they've been they've been pretty dang good. So that part of it's exciting, which, which leads to our second question because they're they're doing it so well. And Nick Nick not only leads the league in rushing right now, but his his uh, Nick Chubb, if you included only Nick Chubb yards after contact, is actually fourth. That person <laughs> is fourth in the NFL in rushing alone. So uh, at that point, you have two Nick Chubbs in the top five uh, alone. So um, do you think he gets to 2,000? I, I think the way they're running it, I think it's a fair question. Uh, I think 2,000 is very much in play, and they're not even overwhelming him with carries. He's on pace to get uh, up over 300, but... I mean, it's coming pretty easy right now. I, I haven't looked at the run defense slate out in front of them, but uh, to me, it's very, very plausible, man. And I never thought we would really get there based on how little, you know, how they sort of tighten up his usage. So where do you sit on it? Yeah, I think they're going to try to kind of turn that around a little bit. 
but I think it'll be interesting if they do that kind of here over the next few games, maybe use hunt a little bit more early and then chub a little bit more later in games. Um, you know, I don't, I just don't think we're going to, he's going to get to 300 to be honest with you. I think he'll be in that 270, 280 range. Uh, and he'll obviously be 15, 1600 yards, you know, good amount of touchdowns, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think they're going to be okay running him quote unquote into the ground, no matter how well he's running the ball. I think they're going to want to preserve him, especially given that this is Hunt's last year in Cleveland, most likely. I think you're going to see a little bit more of an adjustment over the next few games just to kind of hopefully keep him fresh for what they hope is still a, a chance at the postseason. I think you're going to see a little bit of an adjustment uh, to his usage, maybe even sprinkle in a little bit more of Dearness Johnson. Uh, so I just think you're going to see a little bit of an adjustment that keeps him closer to that 15, 1600 yard range. Obviously a great season, uh, but keeps him lower kind of on those those overall attempts. I think they're going all in with him. I do. I think you could be spot on. We could look back at this at the end of the year and, and it could go either direction, but I feel like he's going so well that there's a very high chance that they're just going all in with him and giving him that one year that we talk about. Right. So maybe, maybe I'm right. Maybe you're right. We'll see. I think your route is very plausible too. Uh, I just like to think, Hey man, it'd be really cool to see him get to two K he's good enough. And, and uh, it's a rare, it's a rare number. So it'd be cool. Um, it would, it lastly, would be absolutely great. It would be great. Lastly question here is, you know, they're using Kareem late. They, they, their final drive and their, um, you know, second final drive after the Brandon Staley brain fart. I don't, people try to convince me that was the right decision. I think it's laughable to think that was the right decision from Brandon <laughs> Staley. But anyway, um, you know, Kareem, Kareem's in there late now. I think, I think it's fair to say he's a better pass catcher. He's a better run blocker. But is the threat of Nick Chubb in the backfield in any variety a bigger impact than Kareem. I think it's a fair question. What do you, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, I think I just, uh, it's been weird. I don't feel like we've seen the Kareem hunt that, that we were used to seeing kind of break the tackles and some of the different things that we've seen. I think the, the Browns wants the versatility of Kareem hunt. I would rather see, and it's going to sound because we're, you know, watching playoff baseball right now as well. Like I would rather see Chubb as your starter and your closer and Kareem Hunt as kind of your reliever, right? Like, but right now they're kind of using Chubb as long distance starter. And then really kind of Kareem is kind of your closer, uh, given kind of the ways that the, the game is going. I just don't, I don't love it, but I understand it, right? Like you talked about pass blocking, pass receiving, you know, the, the one where Brissett kind of lofted it to Chubb. I think if that's Hunt, I think it's caught and he's gone, right? Chubb just doesn't have that comfort with those quick kind of movements in the past game and all of that kind of stuff. Like you've got to just get him the ball directly a little bit more than you can with hunt. So I, I get it, I guess it's just not turning into the results that we want, but the, the decision makes sense. Decision can, in a vacuum. It does make sense. I'll be interested to see if they don't include Nick a little bit more in some of those late game scenarios, uh, just, just due to the fact that he can draw some eyes, uh, no matter so, what type yeah. of play action, right? So I'll yeah, be, I'll be what would you like if you thought of that closing five? Then is that so? Would you want both of those guys in Joku, Cooper, and DPJ? Is that kind of your? I mean, obviously we're oversimplifying it, but would that kind of be your closing five then? So instead of having either Harrison Bryant or David Bell, having kind of Hunt as that either in the backfield or 
kind of in the slot kind of receiver? Is that kind of what you would want to do? It'd be a fun wrinkle. I think if you have enough things you feel confident in that you can run that can create guys getting open. I mean, like the Chargers just rushed five and played six across, pretty much played cover one and just played man everywhere. Now, can Kareem be a, a nickel guy, a, a dime safety, right? Can he maybe, but I don't blame them for wanting to have another receiver out there, but there are ways in which you can be creative with two guys on the field and and still come up with some wrinkles. But again, like that situation in late game is so unique. It's so yeah. like rushing everything out there. I can't believe they went for that. We got the ball back at the 50. Let's just go with what we have kind of planned as our two minute offense at that point. So it changes things a little bit. I think it would have to be more of a practice philosophical change than a game day thing. Um, they could, I, I think they could, but I don't know if they feel like that's the best. I certainly don't want Brian out there uh, in those situations <laughs> because I'd rather have bell or somebody of that sort. Any, but yeah, almost any, but not, it sounds terrible, but you know, Harrison Bryant being a steal in the fifth round doesn't really look like it anymore. Does it? Well, he's just, he's very, uh, what's the word? Um, esoteric. Mm-hmm. Like he's got a very role, like a specific role yeah. and, and he hasn't overachieved from that second tight end to be brought into block who can also kind of sneak out and catch some throws. He's been decent, but he's also not done anything over expected and he's dropped a few throws. I don't want him to drop. Like if he's going to be that, he needs to be very sure handed. Um, yeah. if he's going to be catch and fall repeat of Hooper, which that's fine. You can have that guy, but it's gotta be the catch part. Can't, can't, can't let things get past you. And he's had a couple moments of getting things past him. So I, I just, I would like him to be a little better at that role. I don't, I don't feel this gigantic need to upgrade it, but I'm sure they're watching and scouting tight ends. I, I feel fairly confident that they're, they're looking at, at tight ends and it's, it's going to be an actually a fun tight end class. So we'll keep an eye if they end up adding somebody, but um, yeah, Jared, this was good, man. A lot of different things discussed. And, and I know that you'll cover a lot of it this week. I'll cover a lot of it this week, continuing to try to figure out this enigma going on up in Berea, but uh, I think the burning questions here were fair and there's a lot of philosophical stuff at play kind of unfolding and we'll know more in the coming weeks, but pin down a lot of it today. So thanks again for your time, brother. Absolutely, man. And go Browns, Guardians and Cavs. It's the time we get all and the Buckeyes. We get them all, man. Yeah, it's a good time of year for sports. So enjoy every moment of it, guys. Enjoy your Cleveland baseball team. Uh, when you're listening to this, I don't know whether they won or lost. They did just give up a second run. So we'll see if they're able to get out of that hole. But uh, hopefully they continue to play well and you uh, enjoy the outcomes over the coming days. And they'll come back to Cleveland and you can make it up to one of those games uh, to support them. I know I'd love to. Can't, but I'd love to. But anyway, uh, go like Jared said, go Cavs, go Browns, go Guardians. Uh, hopefully this football team continues to give us uh, some better content doesn't continue. They find a way to give us some better content here in the coming uh, in the coming weeks because we could all use it. Nice reprieve uh, from what's been a frustrating start. So shout out to Jared for joining us. Thanks to you guys for supporting this this podcast and the OBR. Appreciate you guys. Uh, be well. Have a great Wednesday. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.